Welcome to Define You Radio, the place to be for real talk and real tips to help you define your personal and professional life. Class is in session with your host, the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin Wallace. Pens and papers ready. Class is now in session. Hey, kings and queens, it's your girl Valencia Griffin Wallace, and welcome to Define You Radio. Now, this show was actually recorded before our current lockdown status. However, I knew it was very important with the state of stress a lot of us are in right now to go ahead and release it. I hope you guys enjoy the interview with counselor and repeat queen Donna Barnes of Gracefully Purpose Counseling. If you know someone that's going through a whole lot of stress or you yourself, please go ahead and take notes and reach out and get help. With that being said, let's go ahead and start the show. Let's go ahead and welcome Queen Donna to the show. So Queen Donna, Hey. Hey, everybody. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, I kind of threw out a laugh because the topic we're talking about is a little uncomfortable. It's not something that people really talk about enough. And, you know, it's suicide. And we're just, we're hearing younger and younger people committing suicide, like, People are talking more about mental health, but then they're not saying like it could lead to suicide type thing, you know? Um, So just what's your overall thought before I get into my questions about suicide today? Suicide today is more prevalent than it has been in the past, or it's more made aware of. However, it's like those little bloopers that you don't see um, with the TV actors on the scene, yet you see them off the scene. Um, So that's how I perceive suicide. It's a more off the scene um, problem for individuals because if people commit suicide, it's not reported on the news often. Mm. Um, The extenuating circumstances have to be very extreme in order for it to get reported on the news. However, it doesn't mean that it doesn't occur. Suicide occurs every day. We just don't hear of it like we hear of the gunshot victims or like we hear of um, celebrities and cancer patients and things like that that may have passed away. So it's something that's a little swept under the rug, not really talked about very often unless something detrimental happens. And then it makes the news. Mm, That's a a great point. And I never thought about it like that. And and I'm wondering if that's because of the religious factor, you know, um, because a lot of people believe you commit suicide, you're going to hell. So do you think, especially because, you know, here in Louisiana, I think we're part of the Bible Belt, quote unquote. Um, do you think that's why? Do you th- like what? Do you, what are your thoughts about that? I think uh, there could be a number of factors that can be why we don't hear about it as much. Um, I don't think it gets reported as much. For instance, we had one in Baton Rouge with a um, cute little boy. I believe his incident was reported because it was extenuating circumstances. He was bullied at school. His mom chose to use his life as an outlet to make others aware of what was going on in the school, as well as for his life to not be in vain. However, other parents may feel as though they don't want anyone to know. They may feel, like you said, for religious reasons, but also sometimes Parents battle in their head, like, what am I doing wrong? What didn't I do? What could I have done better? Sometimes they start playing the blame game. And then other times it can just be that's the way they grieve. They don't want others to know what they're going through. They don't want to let no one else in. They just want to deal with it on their own. Mm. Do you know, 
how old he was offhand? Offhand, I know for sure he was a middle schooler. Okay. I want to say maybe 12, 13, or 14 ish. Maybe 12 or 13. Goodness. Goodness. Um, and we'll get definitely get into that or the schools because normally what I've seen in the headlines when you see kids, you know, committing suicide, it seems like it's always bullying related. So we'll get into that, but I wanna ask you a personal question. Okay. Has suicide ever touched your life? Oh yes. <laughs> Only once, though, and I'm thankful for that. I remember when I was 12, my sister, um, her and her friend at the time was sitting in my grandfather's um, living room, and I just felt like I couldn't take life anymore. I felt like nobody took me serious. The only way I knew how to commit suicide without causing too much harm was to take some pills. Um, so I went in the medicine cabinet. All we had was aspirin, and all we had was six aspirin at the time. So I'm thinking, okay, if I take more than four, then of course that's an overdose. I don't have to be here anymore. So I took all six pills, and the next, the same night, I woke right back up. The only thing the six pills did for me was put me in a deep sleep, and I was at mm-hmm. peace in that deep sleep, but I still woke up to the same trouble. How old were you? Twelve. So what? Hmm. Okay, so thinking back to that point in time in your life, and you you made the decision to, I'm going to go ahead and try to overdose myself at 12. Mm-hmm. Did you talk to anybody afterwards? Did you try again like what happened after your attempt nothing happened nothing changed I didn't talk to anyone um from the town where I'm from everybody knows everybody so the school counselor they knew my family and back then I didn't even know that counseling was a thing so I did not talk to anyone before I took the pills I did tell my sister and her boyfriend but I think maybe they took it as a joke maybe they took it as, as, as if I was not serious, but nothing happened afterwards. I didn't attempt again. That was my only attempt. And it's quite interesting because sometimes I think back to, okay, if you did it this one time, what didn't make you attempt again? Hmm. Does that help you understand suicide more because you've been there? Most definitely. And it helps me empathize with others who may experience the attempts as well, because I can understand from their point of view. I know a lot of people sometimes wonder, well, what's going on so bad in their life that they want to attempt? You never know what's going on in a person's life that they may want to attempt. But all you can do is be supportive. Hmm. So thinking back to that point in your life and the warning signs that you are aware of as a counselor, what were some of the warning signs maybe your family would have seen or somebody else can see in a family member that may be suicidal? For me back then, the the warning signs was I was constantly getting in trouble in school. I didn't like school. I, I barely smiled when I was 12. I was always frowning. I always had an attitude. I wanted to play with friends, but some of my friends couldn't come to my house because of the way my grandparents were. Um, So I still sometimes wanted to engage in pleasurable activities, but at nighttime, I I felt as if I was left alone. So sometimes just paying attention to children's demeanor, even adults' demeanor, because you never know what someone is thinking in their mind. Asking people if they are okay and not just taking fine or good for an answer because we oftentimes when people ask if we're okay we'll be like we're good we're fine those aren't feeling words those words don't describe how we're really feeling internally and they could be misinterpreted and then people just leave us alone to go back and not despair 
Um, so some other symptoms that may be noticeable is um, if they're doing work at school, if they're acting out at school, if they acting out at work, if they're isolating, are they sad majority of the time? Do they have crying spells? Things like that um, are some things that you want to pay attention to. Because it's not always about giving away possessions. I know sometimes if there's adults, people give away their possessions before they um, commit suicide. It's not always about the noticeable things that a person can do, but also the internalizing that they may do. Okay. With, with what you know about suicide, do you think somebody always leaves a note? Like when you were getting ready to take a pill, did you leave? Did you start writing a suicide note? Or no? I didn't write a suicide note. And I don't think everybody who commits suicide writes a note. Um, because in the event that you attempt to commit suicide and you, you write a note, some people just think you're doing it for attention. So I don't think everybody always leaves a note. Sometimes for kids, some kids may leave a note so their parents can understand why they did what they did. But for the most part, you don't always have to leave a note. Mm. Sometimes it could be a spur of the moment act. Really? So you don't think um, that somebody has like thought it out, you know, that it was something that over a couple of months or over a couple of weeks, like, do you think one devastating bad day can lead somebody to commit suicide? I really, I really do believe that. And that's because some of the, the children that I have worked with, even, and even with my experience, I know that I didn't have a bad day, the day that I attempted suicide. However, that was the first time I thought about suicide and then I acted upon it because of past experiences that have happened. But I know for some other kids, especially the generation we have now, some kids aren't thinking about the detrimental consequences that the suicide could leave them in. Some kids are just thinking about their right now, what they're going through, and that they don't want to go through it anymore. So sometimes it can be an impulsive act, but some kids tend to cut, not knowing all the time which nerve to hit. Hmm. Interesting. Because I, I always assumed that there somebody would leave a note. Like, I know two people um two people very close to me within the last 10 years committed suicide um and both of them left a note mm -hmm. so i just assume um and then when i was going through my attempting to overdose myself and i've mentioned it on the show before um maybe about 15 years ago give or take it was like in it was on purpose and not on purpose, if that makes sense. So it's like I didn't go into the situation trying to overdose. I just didn't care how much medicine that I took to stop the pain that I was dealing with. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a very interesting time in my life. And I know the for me, it was years and years of emotional buildup to where I felt like I had nowhere else to go. And so I was dealing with um, severe migraines because, you know, I always tell people like our whole body is connected. Mm -hmm. So what I was feeling and dealing with emotionally was starting to affect me physically. And I just wanted the pain to stop. I was taking up like a whole lot of medicine for migraines. I was alternating with Tylenol, ibuprofen, this, this, and this. If it said pain reliever, I was taking it. I didn't care about the two, three, four hour window, whatever it is. I was just, I needed the pain to stop. And I realized I was taking too much, but I didn't care. So, um, and I went into a sleep that I couldn't control. It was crazy because I remember falling asleep and not being able to stop myself from falling asleep. So I just was like, like almost like, Lord, I was playing. Like, <laughs> you know, like it was, it was very, it was very crazy, very interesting. And when I talked about it later, um, 
you know, a lot of my friends were like, well, why you, you didn't come talk to me about this or why you didn't talk to me about that? But that's not who, that's not my makeup. That's not who I am, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then like even some of the signs you stated, like the isolation and, and different things of that nature, that's who I am naturally. Naturally, like I'm not worried about getting a coronavirus. Cause I'm not around people like that, you know, like na- naturally I, I isolate myself, um, because that's where my peace is. So, um, I'll, I might have to check with my friends and let them know, Hey, I'm look, I'm good, but I'm one of those people too. Like if you say, Valencia, how you, how, how are you doing today? Like, you know, I'm, I'm good. And it, and it's an automatic response regardless of whatever's going on. Cause I feel like if I say I'm stressed, the dogs are acting a fool or I got all these groceries to do, or I got this to do or this to do. I feel like I shouldn't do that. And it probably goes back to how I was raised Mm -hmm. um, to where it's easier just to say I'm good versus I'm a little stressed out. Mm -hmm. And it and it is easy, but then what happens when it becomes too much and then we feel like nobody's out there listening to us or helping us? Hmm. I'm not going to answer that question. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Some stuff we'll have to talk about off the show. <laughs> Lord, I am such a patient. And but it's like I know that, but like I know. Okay, so next question. My ne- my next question: If you see the warning signs, if someone sees the warning signs and they want to talk and help the person, uh, but the person doesn't want help, you know, um, girl, I don't need counsel. I don't need to talk to anybody. Blah blah blah. But you know, especially as a counselor, or as a parent, or whoever, you know that this is some borderline suicidal behavior, what do you do if they don't want to get help? Well, I'm glad to ask. So it's a couple of things. It just depends on how severe the situation is. If they haven't made um, a threat to harm themselves or to actually kill themselves, then it's, it's a little different. All you could do in that situation is try to be the listening ear for them whenever they are willing to talk. And sometimes silence is the best way to go. Um, sometimes, because silence can tell you more sometimes than words can ever tell you. People's body language could put off as words rather than them actually speaking the words. So in that situation, it would just depend, but let them know that you are there for them. Let them know that you care. And you understand how that how they feel, but at the same time you respect it as well because you can't make someone get help in that case unless they really want help. They're going to have to want to come out of that. But in the event that they have self harm, that you do see some cuts or you do see some literature marks around their um, neck or anything like that that can show signs that they may be harming themselves or they have attempted then you would want to call the authorities or you would want to get some PEC or sent to the hospital for further care. I, for me as a counselor, I'm a mandated reporter. Teachers are mandated reporters. So if someone comes to me blatantly and say, I want to kill myself, I want to harm myself, I cannot let that child or adult leave my sight one site, I have to call the proper, I have to staff it with my supervisor, but also call the proper authorities and stay with that individual until they get there so they can take them to the hospital. And again, I know some people do it for attention, but it's not my job to see if they're doing it for attention. It's not my job to investigate. I'm a counselor, not a police officer, but it is my duty to make sure that they are safe and one way to provide safety is sending them to the hospital to get that evaluation and one thing um we also ask for individuals who come as suicidal want to harm themselves we ask them if they have a plan do you know how you plan to attempt this and some Hmm. kids and adults will tell you i do 
some people would tell you, well, I really don't want to hurt myself, so I'll take some pills. But then there are more extreme cases where some kids will tell you, I'll strangle myself with the belt. I'll hang myself. I'll cut myself. Like some kids actually research how to commit suicide. Wow. That's crazy. Um, to to know to even do that. So um, you ever seen that show on, I think it's on Netflix, 13 Reasons Why? 13 Reasons? Yes. yes. I saw the first, okay, so I'm going to be honest. I just watched the first season, um, and it was a while ago, so I probably have forgotten stuff. But I remember thinking uh, the reasons the girl committed suicide I thought all of them were like stupid Mm -hmm. and that's just me being honest from what I remember when I first watched it. So what do you, what do you think? What are your thoughts on the show? Do you think it's like a a good show? Do you think it may be giving kids an idea about suicide and why they, you know, what are your thoughts? For me, the way I look at that show is as an awareness, but as with anything, there's good and bad. Mm-hmm. So it can be a bad thing because it can, as it makes suicide more aware, it can also let kids know that, hey, this is an option. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to continue to live the way that you've been living. Let's take this way out, you know? So that's the bad aspect of it. But the good aspect of it, I would say, is that it's making parents more aware like hey this is what your child can be going through even if your child is an adult this is what they can be going through it's not always easy for kids to talk to their parents whether they're a child or or an adult because some kids just have the thought in their head that they don't want to be a disappointment Mm. they don't want to disappoint their parents whether young or old they don't want to disappoint them and if they tell them things that happen then they may be disappointed like Rape, um, some rape victims. Some rape victims don't want to come forward because of how society views them. Sometimes society will say mean things such as what she shouldn't have on, she shouldn't have had on what she had on. No yeah. matter what a person have on, no is no. But how can you come forward when that's what, how society would view it? You know what I mean? So sometimes those hard things that really knock people down and they don't know how to get back up, other people just keep them down by the things that they say or the thoughts that they think. So that person may feel all oh, hope is lost. I might as well do this and take this route out because nobody will ever understand what I'm going through. Mm. So what about as a parent of a about to be 23 year old son he's in college like I could see all the stresses he could have with everything he has going on how how should I not approach him in that way but when I ask him like how do you get your kids to to talk to you and tell you exactly how they're feeling or if they're being depressed and not just your kids like you know your friends because everybody's not going to express that easily especially kids that don't want to talk to their parents right um I say just be attentive um pay attention to your child pay attention to other people know their behaviors know the patterns know if something is usual or unusual if it is out of order um if your child usually wakes up at 7 30 and go to bed at nine o'clock but lately it's hard for them to sleep. Um, pay attention to that because sometimes they can have those racing thoughts and it makes them hard to go to sleep. Sometimes they have a lot on their mind and it's hard for them to go to sleep. So sometimes I bring up conversations. I try to talk, talk to my 13 year old and he does not, he'll talk to me about everything except feelings. So I try to wait for him to ask me how my day was. And I'll say, well, my day was good. You know, if work stressed me out, I'll say work stressed me out. And then I'll go to say, well, what about you? How was school for you? Did you enjoy school today? I'll get him to try to open up that way. Um, sometimes as far as my kids, I learned that kids feel when you play a game with them. 
is very interesting because they so focus on the game that sometimes they don't even know the things they say and it just come up um, and come out. So with my kids, I try to focus on it from that aspect. But with adults, I don't just focus on what they're saying. I focus on what they're not saying. One of my friends had a case study that um, she was doing the other day. And the person, it was a hypothetical case study. The person she was doing it on made a statement that she does not want to be stuck with her parents forever. Mm. So the first thing that popped up in my mind was, what makes you feel as though you're stuck now? So she didn't say she feel as though she's stuck now. She said she doesn't want to be stuck forever. So just paying attention to what's not being said in the midst of what's actually being said. Hmm. Okay. The interrogation of my son will begin when I get off this interview. <laughs> no, but I, I try to be mindful um, of things I ask him and, you know, cause I know life is stressful. Um, school, dealing with people, you know, trying to find your way as a young adult. And, you know, I think parenting is an on-the-job learning experience. It is. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. Just with the with the case study, because with the case study, you get like a, a case and you put like how you would handle it. Yeah. Or, okay. So, I guess it wouldn't be confidentiality because it's an invented case study. Yeah. Right. So how, so what did she respond? Do you know? Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of what she responded. It wasn't to just address that issue of her mm. saying she doesn't want to be stuck with her parents forever, but it addressed again, why you feel as though you're stuck now. But also we have something that's called solution focused therapy. Mm-hmm. So we know that there's a problem, but with solution focused therapy, you don't focus so much on the problem. You focus on the solution to the problem. You only come to the table with solutions rather than um, the problem. But it was more also she helped her get a sense of awareness where she is in life, where she feels she should be, where she wants to be. What makes you think that you should be here and what makes you think that you are not already there? Because sometimes on the outside looking in, we think that we're not as far as others, when in reality, we're really further than some other people if we really pay attention um, to our surroundings, to our titles, to other um, factors that can be considered. So just helping individuals get, helping her get a sense of awareness of where she's at, where she wants to be, where she wants to go. And sometimes kids and adults don't feel accomplished because we, as parents, sometimes don't make them feel accomplished. Like I know um, one day my son did ask me, he said, mom, do you ever feel like everything you do is wrong? Mm. I was like, no. I say, is that how you feel sometimes? And he said, yeah, sometimes. And as parents, we don't recognize that the words we say or how we react to situations can make our kids feel like that. So that dawned on me. So now I take a different approach to how I fuss at him. Because if you always fussing or if you always constantly saying, well, why you didn't do this? Or I told you to do this. Or I told you to do that. That's embedded in their head. Like, dang, can mm-hmm. I ever do anything right? Is it ever going to be a day that she's not going to fuss at me? Wow. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, and I try to use motivation. And that's what I was going to tell you maybe to do with your son. Like, you know, he, he goes to things, although he might not go into specific with the things that he goes through with you. But just say, son, you know, you got this. You know, and instead out the blue, because he's probably going to wonder, like, where does this come from? You know, and then you, you just respond. I just wanted to let you know that you got this. And I'm always here if you need me, but you got this. I could definitely pat myself on the back a little bit. You know, my whole parenting philosophy was to do everything opposite of what I saw. So I would always leave him sticky notes and and those things. And with him, you know, being away at college, I'll text him 
and, you know, tell him he's great and he's a king and he's the best part to me and those things randomly. Um, that, like, that part, I got down, Pat. But that part of the parenting that when you have to try to advise your kids because they doing not stupid stuff, but not doing stuff the best of their to the best of their ability, that part's hard. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, why you chose to go to a party when you knew you had this homework due? That was a conversation last night. Mm-hmm. And I and sometimes I feel like I'm I'll go back and like Valencia, you were really critical, but it it was a truthful statement because, you know, he needs to put the party into the side, do your homework first, then party. Mm-hmm. They go off to college. They they are thinking about doing their work, but they also thinking about having fun. Just like when we were in college, I didn't go to that type of college to where I could have fun, have fun. <laughs> but I'm sure if I did, I would have been doing the same thing at 23. And that's another point to make too. I think sometimes because of how we were raised, we have higher expectations for our children mm-hmm. that we place on them. And we have to remember that things are different now. Um, Because me growing up at 12, I I attempted suicide. I was more mature um, for my age at 12. I had to grow up fast. But that's not going to be the same thing for my 13-year-old. Right. So I had to learn, and my friends helped me with this, that I can't have those expectations put on him just because I had to grow up fast. That doesn't mean he has to grow up fast. Just because I didn't have a childhood don't mean I could implement those expectations on him and not give him a childhood. He's a child. You know, he's a, a teenager, but yet he's still a child. So our children, we do things, like you said, so they don't have to grow up the way we did. We do right. parenting different, but yet sometimes we still place those expectations on them because that's not what we was doing at 23. Mm. at 23 and and I'll say stuff like this because I'll tell them on one hand I'll tell them you know you know go enjoy life and do those things I didn't get a chance to do because at 23 I had I he was three years old mm-hmm. so um and I'll watch him and I'm like it's so much stuff he could be doing that I couldn't do because I had to work and pay daycare and learn how to potty train and all that kind of stuff. So I I honestly do know I expect a lot and I'm working on I'm working on that part. Cuz it's like I expect a lot but I want him to be his own person and and those things and and without stressing him to the point you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah that's, that's a, a go ahead. I was saying that was something to consider because he already have life stresses. Right. He, want, he doesn't want to stress my mom too with the expectations and how things should be going and why well, I wasn't doing this because then I could, which you said that sometimes can leave kids confused if he was a little bit younger and his brain yeah. wasn't developed as far as it is. That could leave kids as confused because you want me to have fun but then you want to need to make sure that I get my work done. Like, but what do you really want? You like, know? mom, which one? I can't do, I can't party and do work. Pick a lane. <laughs> Pick a lane, mama. Because I'll tell him, I definitely understand the mixed messages. We're going to work on me. As, as you constantly come on the show and I get like, you know, yeah, we, we're going to work on me. Y'all going to hear me like I'm going to be so enlightened and stuff. After all the interviews with Queen Donna, y'all going to think like I'm a whole new person. So um, <laughs> when we when we kind of go back to to suicide, who is is more at risk? M- males, females, teenagers, 20 year olds, 40 year olds like when you think of, you know, what you know and what you've learned, who's more at risk? Honestly, I believe younger children are more at risk because younger kids have more um, stressors. They have more events that tend to happen and they don't always feel like they have someone to talk to. 
um, whether boy or girl. Um, but I do see more females attempt more than males. Because um, hmm. I also work at the hospital doing inpatient as well. So our, our girl side stays full more than the boys. However, our boy side is also a little full as well. Um, so they're younger. Can't can't give a specific gender because I really just think that it just depends on that life stressor that hits them at that time and if they feel like they're able to recoup from that situation. Hmm. But some some kids really want to be honest. Like I've seen come um, in and out the hospital sometimes. Some kids just cut or want to attempt suicide because they arguing with their parents too much. They they don't know how else to deal with it other than leaving the world, and then maybe their parents could be happy, and then maybe they wouldn't get into so many arguments with. Mm. Like it, you know, we we probably see that as small, but to them that's something major. If you're constantly arguing with your parents all the time, that's a stressor. On top of going to school and sometimes not being like, or on top of going to school and the teacher is giving you problems. Hmm. So that was that was a great segue into my next question. When it comes to schools, mm-hmm. bullying and bullying awareness and suicide, um, what what are your thoughts? Do you think the schools are not doing enough with the you know with the bullying or you know what are, what are your thoughts with those? things my personal thoughts um for me on the outside looking in I don't think the schools are doing enough but then on one on the other hand it's like what do we expect them to do because teachers are meant to teach principals are meant to lead the schools, but yet if you have many class disruptions how can you pay attention to that child that's just sitting quiet in the corner or that's mm. saying themselves, or that's being bullied by others. Teachers have a lot of duties that they encounter on a day-to-day basis that's outside their scope of practice. They're meant to teach and educate, um, as well as show compassion and empathy. But now some schools are overcrowded. You have more than 20 students in the classroom. It's hard to manage. So the teacher might not see that kid getting pushed the teacher might not see how he got that bruise the teacher might not hear him being teased but hear his reaction after being teased Mm. so all those things to take into consideration and then on another hand though some schools just really don't take it serious some schools um some teachers i've witnessed will tell a student will just go sit down ignore them it's Mm. hard to somebody who's constantly talking about you it's hard to ignore somebody that's poking you or scratching you or doing other harmful things to you and then you tell the teacher and they tell you to go sit down there's only so many go sit downs before you just internalize everything and take things into your own hands that's and when you say that when you when you think about okay us growing up that was the reaction to you know, somebody messing with you or bullying you or whatever is, or, you know, go tell the teacher, whatever, you know, just, you'll be all right, go sit down, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I know today is different than yesterday, so to speak. So what should they do? Like how, because I know um, most schools, I think all schools have guidance counselors, right? Or most they of do. But the guidance counselors don't always have time to counsel. They deal with attendance. They deal with testing. Everything other than kind of what they really went to school for. Hmm. So what can, what, like if an educator or something is listening to the show, what what can they do? I think more um, professional development for teachers surrounding psychology, mental health counseling, and social work um, should be given um, 
as a professional development for those educators, just so they could be made aware of different signs to look for. Because some kids don't have a safe haven at home. Mm. And they come to school for their safe haven. But if they getting bullied and talked about and treated different at school, then where is where is their safe haven? They have nothing else left to feel safe. So making teachers aware of that, making teachers aware, like, hey, sometimes you have to take the time out to notice that child that is acting different. The child usually makes straight A's, but now they fail in their test. Just being more in tune with, with, with what's really going on. And yes, teachers are stressed, but having self-care days, teaching teachers about self-care, teaching teachers about mental health days and making sure that they're emotionally well, physically well, and mentally well, so they'll be able to help the children that they teach. Because it's not all, always about teaching outside of a book. Sometimes the best lessons are taught from experience. Mm. Have you, um, and I guess this is something I'd have to research if schools are implementing like some sort of anti-bullying program, like a peer program, because I was watching this movie. It, it's a funny movie. I think it's called Good Boys. Don't oh, quote like me. Okay, so okay, so you know what I'm about to talk about. Like they had the bully, um, almost like a hall monitor, but the you know the kids that had the uh, they had like vest on. And they were like uh, anti-bully type monitors would walk the kids to the to class and that kind of stuff. Remember that part of the movie? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was funny, but it's but it's interesting because it's a group of peers. So I wonder how many schools are maybe not implementing that, but implementing like more of a peer group for kids that's dealing dealing with you know bullying or feeling you know suicidal because a lot of times kids will talk to people their own age before they talk outside of that group Mm -hmm. I'm not aware of any groups like that however I do know that in Baton Rouge and um East Baton Rouge Parish that they have eye care and eye care provides preventative services such as drugs and bullying and suicide prevention. Um, so eye care professionals go into the schools, they are housed at some of the schools to deal with those issues. And they also provide grief um, counseling for individuals who may have lost someone or when a student dies at school, they're there to talk to the students and help them process what's going on. But I know that's all only offered in EBR. I'm not sure of Ascension Parish and other areas. Hmm. I'm gonna have to look into that. And I think y'all, if y'all hadn't seen, if y'all hadn't seen Good Good Boys, um, I recommend seeing it because it's funny, and then you'll know what exactly I'm talking about with the with the anti-bully peer group with their vests and stuff. It's it's interesting and funny, but I think something like that would definitely help other kids. I mean, you never know. So it's kind of like throw all your darts at the dartboard and one of, one of them will stick. That's my philosophy. But then I'm not a counselor like Queen Donna is. <laughs> so, um, my my next question, mm-hmm. what is the difference between feeling a, l- a little down, you know, versus depression versus, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how do so I know I'm, I'm a little sad versus I'm depressed and potentially suicidal? See, a little sad means the event happened. We process it. We're aware of how we're feeling, and then we get back up. We don't stay down from that fall. That's a little sad. Now, with the depression, it occurs, the event happens, and the process is taking a little longer for us to process. It's 
taking more than six months for us to, to heal from the event that may have happened. Um, and even in the midst of us trying to heal from it, we don't see better days. We still feel worthless. We still feel hopeless. We feel like nothing is going to change. And we left in so much despair that um, our thoughts are hindered. Our thoughts become distorted. And then it's no longer us thinking positive as if when we was a little sad, it's more so of us thinking negative, like I will never come out of this. I don't understand how I could be so stupid. Just down talking self, downplaying situations, always being negative, never seeing the positive side of things, isolating, not enjoying pleasurable activities as you once used to, um, not even going to work. It's a little harder to get out of bed in the morning when you're depressed. Um, even feeding yourself and conducting hygiene is a little hard. You know, why care if nobody else cares about me? Why do this and why do that when it just seems like I'm by myself? I'm all alone. So those would be more extenuating circumstances to recognize that depression in the person rather than someone's a little sad. A little sad, you're able to bounce back from it quicker than the depression. Depression, you have been like this for six months or more. Thank you for putting the time on that because I think we all have moments of this is the worst situation. When something happens in a moment, this is the worst. I don't see no way out. Like we all have those moments. But if those moments last, then it may be a depression and you may need to go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's listening to the show right now mm-hmm. and they're feeling suicidal, what what would you say? What should they do? I would say that if somebody was watching, um, listening to the show, they appear to be depressed and suicidal, to really talk to someone. There are a number of mental health professionals, licensed um, therapists out there that's really willing to help. They're really willing to help you get through it, walk you through it, be there with you while you're going through it. So seek the help. That's what we're out here for, to really help you become a better you. And the only way to do that is by you talking about the issues and about the problems that you may have. And if we're suicidal, voluntarily commit yourself. And people have this perception that mental hospitals are bad and that you're going to be in a white stray coat. That is not the case of a mental hospital. It's uh, it's not like that at all. You're 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 still free. You still have the free use of your limbs. However, you just have to follow some rules in a hospital setting. That's all. You still get fed your three meals a day. No, their bed might not be as comfortable as your queen size bed at home, but you are safe, and you have people that are surrounding you that care about you. And another thing that I like about the hospital setting, not saying I want everybody to go to the hospital. But one thing I do like about it is you're not alone in there. There's other people in there that's just like you, that's battling some of the things that you're going through and battling other things that they may be going through. So you're not alone. You can develop a support system and get the help you need to learn the coping skills you need. If you are that severe, you will want to go to the hospital. Don't wait for a doctor or a cop to have to take you to the hospital when you can voluntarily commit yourself to that hospital to get the help you need if you feel you need it. If you're not that detrimental, just get you a counselor that you can not really relate to, but one that you see that can really be beneficial to you and help you in the midst of your time. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we just need to get things off our chest and we feel better. I agree 100% because Y'all know I've mentioned about me getting, being proactive, because we talked about that, with, um, and getting counseling. So I've actually had one session, and um, I could breach my own confidentiality, but y'all not going to hear too much. Um, (laughs) uh, And I picked someone that was completely opposite of me, and I just let it let it all out but what was funny because you know as a counselor of course you ask what's wrong why are you here 
So mm-hmm. when I said I'm just being proactive because I know I do carry stress and things differently from other people. And it's like the whole a whole new concept. I'm telling you, Queen Donna, that's like a program. You take it and run with it. Cause it was like, I guess, you know, as a counselor, you're used to people coming to you when they have a problem versus them being, you know, trying to be proactive because they know certain things lead to a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just drop that nugget there. Okay. I, we talked about it. Make it happen. <laughs> so <laughs> Queen Donna, of course, it has. Um, well, did you have anything you would like to add specifically about suicide? Because, of course, you're going to be back on the touch on other topics. But was there anything specifically you would like to leave the audience with today? If I could leave the audience with um, this, you are important. Everybody, every human being on the earth is important. Don't let anyone tell you different. Don't let anyone show you different. Um, Society has that stigma attached to mental health, but don't let that stigma get to you to where you become so depleted that you feel suicide is the only way out. Get the help that you need so you can still live a healthy, successful life on earth and not in the grave. Boom. So, Queen Donna, how can the audience get in touch with you and find out more about your services and the proactive program you will be starting? (laughs) (laughs) So, you can get in touch with me on Facebook. Just type in my name, Donna Barnes. I'm also on Instagram at Gracefully Purpose Counseling. I also have a new website. Yay. I'm so excited. <laughs> so you can reach me at www.gracefullypurposecounseling.com. Um, and my phone number is 228-888-7689. That's my business phone number. If you ever need services you're in the Baton Rouge Gonzalez area, reach out and get the help that you need awesome well guys it's been a great show make sure you share with your friends family and foes because you don't know what anybody's going through of course get in touch with queen donna for your counseling needs and more i'm pretty sure she could refer you as well if you're not in the area but you see she knows a lot and she will be regularly i'm calling it they say it damn it claim it on the (laughs) show so you guys could get tips because we really want to get mentally healthy in 2019 so don't forget to connect with us on social media at the define you and remember your past doesn't define you it gives you definition and what you do with that is up to you Thanks for listening to Define You Radio. Make sure you connect with the show at www.defineuradio.com. Pens and papers down. Class dismissed.